Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now. for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure... Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And of course, they have Junior Bergen t-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. At Blackfoot Communications, we're experts at keeping your business technology up and running. From networks and security to communications and 24-7 support, we evaluate your current state infrastructure and deploy the right technology solution for your future. Whether your company is just starting out or is looking to take the next step, Blackfoot is here to help. Call 866-541-5000 or visit goblackfoot.com business to learn more. Polaris Studio. Here is Ryan Tutel and Coulter Nuanez. Do our senior spotlight with Abe Johnston. He's in studio with us. I know you dropped that kind of news on us, Coulter. I mean, that, that <laughs> I is. Know. Well, and now I got it spin. So after uh, at the five thirty segment, we'll uh, we'll do a little Kevin Thompson because I got a lot of a lot of things to say about this. The fact that he has already graduated as an undergrad and as a grad student yeah. gives him all the freedom in the world. And you just you wonder what's going through his mind because he's a I mean he's a borderline power five guy. He already started his career in the Mountain West, but he also has deep connections with one Bobby Houck. Yeah, well, so we'll see. I wouldn't get your speculation going too much there, but we'll we will see. And uh, Kevin Thompson, my goodness. Big Sky uh, MVP transferring from Sacramento State. That is a major, major move. It is to tell Nuanas 1029 ESPN Radio. If you missed anything in the first hour of the show, check it out on the podcast. The To Tell Nuanas podcast is available wherever you get your podcast. You can check it out anytime you would like to. That's the beauty of a podcast. It's uh, available thanks to our friends at Blackfoot. And also Alpine Touch. If you'd like to call 361-3688, all guests join us via the Rangage Brothers RV phone line. It is time for our Senior Spotlight. This is week two of the Senior Spotlight. We're pumped up about this. And we are happy to have in studio with us a uh, Hellgate Knight basketball player who is going on to play for Army. That's right. West Point, boys and girls. Abe Johnston in studio with us. Abe, thanks so much for being with us. How, how are you? Yeah, great to be here. I'm doing well, thanks. Well, we're, we're happy to have you in here. We're glad that uh, we could find a stool for you to sit on, you know, try and keep you in some sort of, uh, you know, balance here in relation to the microphone. Eye to eye with Coulter <laughs> as you're seated. This 73 is gl- inches, baby. This is glorious. Oh, boy, here we go. Um, <laughs> Abe, we got so much to talk about, but I just want to start with kind of where we're at right now in terms of you going on to play college basketball at Army. Okay, so going into West Point, first of all, the what you need to be just to be accepted there is is incredibly high. The barrier for entry is very very high. But then to play basketball there as well, what led you down that path, and what was it where you said, "Yeah, this is something that I want to do"? Um, you know, my interest in in going to West Point kind of started at the the beginning of high school, I'd say, and originally it wasn't at all for for athletics or basketball. I mean, I, I had no idea I was going to be a division one basketball player. Um, but 
you know, as I looked into West Point, it was really somewhere that, that has a lot of structure and um, obviously the serving component afterwards was, was quite appealing to me and sounded like something I would want to do. Um, but as I went through high school and athletics became a bigger part of my life, I mean, the way that they value athletics as well as academics there is incredible. So, um, you know, I, I, Coach Hayes and I reached out to them and they were interested and kind of just went from there. So it's, it's an interesting recruiting process, right? Because uh, D, Division One recruits so often the schools are coming to you. Right. In this situation, you almost have to recruit yourself, right? Because you have to want to go to West Point, uh, you know, as an Army soldier first and foremost, right? Right, yeah. I mean, I was approached by dozens of other schools in, in the recruitment process, but, you know, West Point is all the way on the East Coast, and it was somewhere where that I kind of had to approach them because, you know, there's a, there's a lot of people who, good athletes who, um, I mean, wouldn't initially want to go there because of the service piece after and the um, the rigors that you go through there with tr basic training and whatnot in the summer. But, um, I mean, that was something I wanted to do. So, you know, I kind of just went for it and pursued it. And Where does that come from? I mean, because it takes a distinct mindset to want to be, become an, you know, an Army soldier, somebody that, that goes through basic training, that has service, you know, after your your athletic career is over or, or, you know, dedicate so much of your life to that. I mean, where did that interest first come from? Um, yeah, no, I, I get asked that a lot because the most recent relative I've had in the, uh, armed forces was, I mean, I mean, my great grandfather, but I, I think a big part of it was, I mean, I've lived overseas for two years of my life in Africa, South Africa. Oh, cool. What, what were you doing when you were in Africa? I mean, my my dad loves the place, and he oh, got an opportunity to work there. So we lived there for two years, and he had a sabbatical. So, um, but anyway, I mean, you know, living there kind of made me appreciate the United States a lot more, um, and it it really made made it clear to me how lucky we are to live here. So, I mean, if I can do something while getting an education and serve my country, I mean, that's that was like. I can do that, and <laughs> and I heard about West Point. I was like, wow. So, I knew I was going to like this guy. I mean, he's talking to <laughs> me about family, South Africa. He has a bunch of families oh, in I South spent Africa. All, all kinds of time in South Africa. Really <laughs> love it there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I know. Uh, Abe Johnson is in studio with us. He's uh, graduating from Hellgate. Has graduated now, I suppose, from Hellgate as we sit here. Yeah, about June a week 11th. ago. Congratulations so. on that. Headed to West Point. I want to ask you just a, a little bit more though about about West Point because it's one thing to get in. And as you talked about, this was something that was on your radar ahead of time, but it's one thing to get in, but then another thing to get in and to play basketball. How did you, did you send film? Did you say, hey, I'm seven and a half feet tall. I should be good for it. Like what, how did the thing work where you like, did, that you got in touch with the coaches where they said, yeah, you can play on our team? Um, so I, I mean, I, I thought it was a long shot at first, but, um, yeah, I mean, I can't, I, I can't give enough credit to Coach Hayes, and he really helped me, and we emailed them, sent them some film or, you know, links to film, whatever. Um, but they liked what they saw, and they they got back to me, and we just continued the recruitment process uh, back and forth from them. And, yeah, I mean, I suppose I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit lucky in some regard that they – you know, decided to look more into a kid all the way from Montana. But I mean, that's what they're all about. There's right. cadets there from like, I mean, every all square 50, mile. Right? Of, yeah. Oh yeah. And, um, no, they're always looking for, for people for on the West coast there too. I think so. I remember watching a, a documentary about David Robinson one time. David Robinson went to the Naval Academy. Right. right yeah. But David Robinson was seven feet tall. So they had to make an exception because for Navy ships, I don't think you could be taller than 6'4". I think that was the limit. The Air Force Academy, we see in football, they run the triple option because there's weight limits. You can't yeah. you can't weigh over 265 pounds and then weigh a, and and operate a plane. So they have to run a different style of offense, right? Is there anything like that in the Army? Because, I mean, you're six foot nine, right? Mm -hmm. So is there any, any uh, height limitations, so to speak? 
I mean, no, not that I know of. Because you don't I have mean, to fit in a ship or a plane, right? So no, right. So I suppose you might have to fit in a tank. I was gonna say, <laughs> right? The, I don't think Sherman that's. You don't have to be, do that. Might be a little bit of a tight squeeze. But no, there's there's a seven footer on the team. Is there? Um, okay, that's gonna be a teammate of mine, and yes, guys, inches inch or two taller than me. So it, let's go back to your time at Hellgate playing basketball because. You were there for four years in an incredibly successful stretch of basketball at, at Hellgate and also a somewhat difficult stretch as well when it comes to the postseason. And this season, you are the co-state champion. So congratulations. <laughs> and yet I know that it feels like, well, okay, yeah, but that's not what we wanted to be. We did, like we we wanted one more shot or one more game to play. So what was this at, now that we're on the back end of this? Can you look back at this season and see it for the success that it was and the dominance that Hellgate was uh, the dominance that Hellgate had over the course of this season? Oh, absolutely. I mean, this I mean, this season was special. Um it's it's it stands out from the other ones in in so many ways. I mean, just the the group of guys we had this season was tr- truly special. I mean, you know, no one played for themselves, and um, our uh, coach Hayes sent out a, a pretty cool list of stats to all the players, and it was something like we only trailed for I think it was seventeen or eighteen minutes the whole season, all wow. twenty three games. So. No, it was... And none of them was the last minute, notably. Undefeated. Yep. Um, No, I mean, it's crazy to think about we went undefeated now because it wasn't even... We didn't even think about it that much at the beginning of the season. And, and, you know, there's... I think there's a lot of skepticism around, like, so much talent with the addition of of Camden Lawrence. Um, But, no, he just integrated himself into the team so well and yeah it made for a, a truly special season and it, it reflected itself in the numbers but there's so much more to it than that i'd say too though that part is so fascinating because there's very few d1 basketball players that even come out of montana but then to have multiple guys on one team and i, I honestly think that cam Lorenz could probably play you know at the big sky conference level too he's going to montana tech i think he'll be a great player in the frontier but you guys have multiple college-bound guys you and raleigh wooster two division one guys it hardly ever even happens in Montana. But how were you guys able to, I mean, like you said, I watched you guys play live three times this year. There was no showmanship. There was no, I'm going to get mine because I'm the D1 guy. You guys played so well as a team. You had seven seniors on the roster. So how'd you guys hone that chemistry? Um, I think a big part was just trusting each other. I mean, we, Cam, Raleigh, and I, we, especially Raleigh and I really tried to welcome Cam into the team in a way that was just, really positive and he he made friends with all of us so quickly um and that that just led to a great sense of camaraderie and trust among us like you know i (laughs) i'd I'd kick the ball out to cam and you know i'd I'd trust that thing's going in because man he can shoot like i mean um yeah i mean coach really really helped as well but um, you know, we uh, trust. Abe Johnson joining us. He's uh, the focus of our senior spotlight this week, a uh, series that will be go- ongoing for the next uh, s- six or seven weeks here. He's our second guest ever uh, on this, brought to us <coughs> by our friend Mike Nugent over at Berkshire Hathaway Real Estate and Macklemary Homes. Gus, the first meal I had outside my own home following the quarantine was at your house. Brought over a bunch of meat. I brought over my Alpine Touch, but I didn't bring it home. I forgot it at your place. Our first meal was made better, as every meal is made better, by Alpine Touch on basically everything. I put Alpine Touch hickory smoke on my cereal in the morning. <laughs> it's it's reached that level of usage. And the fact that you left it, I knew that you left it at my house. You brought it over left it at my house. And like a real jerk, I said nothing to you because I was like, well, that's mine, dude. That's it. You came to my house. You left it in my house, and I'm eating all of it. We've gotten so far into this Alpine Touch obsession, I think, that I actually think we might be able to host a podcast about all the things that you can make with Alpine Touch. It would be short, 
everything. (laughs) They have a bunch of different varieties of spices, as we know. Uh, They are local from the state of Montana, Shoto, shout out, original Alpine Touch. And it's great when it's not just local, when it's not just supporting the state of Montana, but when it's also actually the best thing that you can get. I mean, when it comes to spices... Uh, it's second to none. So, boys and girls, use your Alpine Touch. Colter, tell them where they can get it. AlpineTouch.com, no matter where you're at in the entire world listening to this, if you are in the United States of America and you make an order of over $50, which, you know, if you get yourself the Grand Slam and maybe some barbecue sauce, some sunflower seeds, you're there. Free shipping anywhere in the United States of America right now. Uh, so go to AlpineTouch.com. They're rolling out all their summer Big Mountain flavor packages. The sunflower shoots are really, really good as well. Alpine Touch has got you covered. Alpine Touch, Montana's special spice. The experience of playing at Dahlberg Arena, I was at that game. I mean, it's almost a packed house. You guys play in your in, in inner city rival in Sentinel, and you just took it to them. I mean, it, was, it looked like you guys were having an incredible amount of fun. Uh, take us through that night. That must have been awesome for you guys as Missoula guys to play on the Grizz home floor. Yeah, I don't know. We just tried to have fun, and <laughs> that's what we did. I mean, it's... I mean, it was intimidating seeing all the the Grizz and the Cat coaches sitting right there, but now we just went out there and had fun, and um, things just came together like they they did for most of the season. I mean, I mean, probably probably the single most fun high school basketball game I've played in. But I mean, not bad having a huge dunk in front of about six thousand people, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. That was one of the best dunks of the season. <laughs> you know, I, I, if I had one of the best dunks of my life, I would be thrilled. It would be one dunk, and it would be the one that I had, and I would be I would be on cloud nine. Yeah, I think uh, I think maybe the only person more pumped than Abe about that dunk was probably Raleigh, because I think Raleigh threw him the pass, and Raleigh's running down the court. <laughs> I mean, you talk about a guy that gets into it. Raleigh has a little fun when he plays hoops. <laughs> well, if I could let you be 6'9 for a day. I, I sure would. Yeah. <laughs> no doubt. I, I, I would take it. Uh, Abe, when you th- going back to uh, to West Point and going there, you talked about kind of your impetus for maybe wanting to go there. You were thinking about going there even before the basketball side of this thing kind of right, came yeah. along. But you said you got recruited by a bunch of other teams as well. Who else Who else recruited you? And did you ever have a thought that, okay, well, maybe, maybe I do want to go somewhere else? Yeah, I mean, there is a, a variety of, of schools from California, some, you know, D2 schools. And then here in Montana, I, I, MSU and the Grizz a little bit. Um, and especially Carroll, which I was really interested in because yeah. they were my first offer back before junior year. And yeah, I mean, I was quite interested in Carroll for a long time, but. Um, I got the offer from West Point in the fall, and I knew I couldn't pass it up. So, now did I don't know if you talked with Seth Bodner about this, the president of the University of Montana, but I feel like he'd be very torn because he is the president of the university, but he is also a proud West Point grad. Yep. I mean, he's he's uh-huh. got to have you. That's have you, true. Have you gotten to talk to though anybody that did go to West Point to get a, a feel? Because when you're going to a place like this, certainly you have an idea of like what it is, what it entails. You talked about the service piece after you're done, and and all the things that go into it. But when you talk about you can know what basic training looks like, but you're not going to know until you get there what that is. But have you gotten a, a, a chance to sort of hit somebody up and go, can you help me out? Like, what, 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 what do I really need to know? I mean, it's it's crazy how, how many connections there are from West Point to Montana. So, yeah, I've spoken to um, two graduates of um, – one doesn't live in Montana. One does um, – two graduates from West Point and then it's a funny story I was on my official visit there um and I was observing a like an econ class and um they're like yeah here's Abe uh, he's from Montana etc um and this girl just like shoots up and says I'm from Montana and she says I'm from Florence I was wow like, <laughs> how about that yeah so I mean, so yeah, I mean, I talked to her for a while about it and I I just just impressed with how many people are connected to it, especially from Montana, so. Division One Athletics is obviously a huge time consumer. It's an adjustment for anybody to go from high school to college. I mean, you're just gonna have a way fuller plate just with the academics and the athletic parts of all of this, but that's accentuated tenfold when you're talking about going to one of the service academies, right? So how do you mentally prepare yourself for just uh, how regimented and stringent your schedule is gonna be? I mean, yeah, I don't know. I, I I've always been someone who's 
to value structure, but you know, I, I suppose the best thing I can do is just, you know, <laughs> focus on basketball and, um, you know, do what I've been doing because I mean, that's honestly the best advice they offered me going in there is just, you know, keep doing what you're doing. Like you got in there and you know, you might, you, you have to figure some things out when I get there for sure. But you know, I just, I think I just got to try and keep doing what I'm doing. Well, Abe, that is awesome, man. We're, we're super excited for you to go. Thank you for going. We're proud of you for doing it and excited to see also the basketball side while you're there too. And we'll be tracking you uh, and the team over there as, as, as you go uh, take on whoever you take on when you're at West Point, which is, I guess, everybody. That's kind of the point, right? <laughs> That's right. Uh, Army versus everybody. But thanks so much for being here as part of our Senior Spotlight. We really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. This is awesome. Senior Spotlight brought to us by our friends, and Mary Holmes, and by Mike Nugent at Berkshire Hathaway Real Estate. Right now, real estate, it's uh, its an interesting industry because I think especially in the state of Montana, we have potentially a lot of people wanting to move in, one of the safest places in all of America to live. So if you have any questions regarding residential or commercial real estate, hit up Mike Nugent. He prides himself on providing the community of Western Montana with full-time real estate advice. He has a reputation as one of the state's most knowledgeable and available real estate agents. So give him a call anytime. Every question is good to ask Mike. He's a knowledgeable guy when it comes to any level of real estate, whether you're in the market to buy or sell, you can give him a call, 406-531-1802. Blaine McElmurray, he knows what you can achieve through hard work, just like our guy Abe Johnson here knows what you can achieve through hard work. That's right. Blaine comes from a small town in Montana, grew up in Troy, and he rose to become an All-American safety for the Grizzlies. He played on Montana's 95 National Championship team. And since then, he's used those values of hard work to build a company, McElmurray Homes, which provides Missoula's highest quality custom residential construction. Since 2003, McElmurray Homes has helped contract and subcontract some of the Garden City's finest homes. Blaine McElmurray and McElmurray Homes, big-time supporters of youth athletics around all of Western Montana. Quick break on the other side. Kevin Thompson in the transfer portal. What next? At Blackfoot Communications, we're experts at keeping your business technology up and running. From networks and security to communications and 24-7 support, we evaluate your current state infrastructure and deploy the right technology solution for your future. Whether your company is just starting out or is looking to take the next step, Blackfoot is here to help. Call 866-541-5000 or visit goblackfoot.com business to learn more. Boys and girls, welcome back to Tell Nuanas, 1029 ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television. Hi, howdy, how are you? Uh, if you would like to uh, listen live, you can do that at the website, 1029ESPN.com. You listen live all the time. Thanks to our friends at Opportunity Bank. Opportunity Bank, your local bank, your opportunity. All right, Coulter, we've been discussing this. You have been uh, uh, texting vigorously, doing your uh, best and best Schefter impression over here, trying to get information about Kevin Thompson, uh, the Big Sky, the reigning Big Sky Conference MVP, the quarterback who was going to be a, yes, that's right, sixth year. Seventh year. Oh, seventh year now. Seventh year senior. Quarterback uh, for the uh, Sacramento uh, uh, State Hornets. And he has entered the transfer portal, according to his coach, Troy Taylor. He's doing that to explore possibilities at the FBS level. Now, there are a number of factors that go into this here. First of all, Kevin Thompson has been has, has suffered several very bad injuries, which have gotten him multiple medical red shirts, which is why he has been able to continue playing. But when healthy, I mean, he was as good as it got. He was the conference MVP last year and and uh, spectacular uh, season that he had for Sacramento State, uh, taking them to places they'd never been before as a football program in terms of both their national ranking and and uh, the playoff side of things. And so uh, an absolutely special year for him. And Sacramento State expected to be very good again. If they're playing football in the state of California and in Sacramento, to say the least, Sac State, 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 a part of the Cal State system, which has already said it will not be having school this fall, or at least in-person classes right. this fall. And 
all of a sudden that calls into question whether there's going to be football played at all at the schools that are that 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 announcement has been made over over which Sacramento State is one. Now we don't know that there won't be football, but with the ability to transfer to the FBS without sitting out because it would be a grad transfer situation for Kevin Thompson, maybe he sees the writing on the wall or at least enough of the writing on the wall to say, "Hey, I've been at this almost twice as long as anybody else, so I want to play one more year, my senior year, and be done with this, and I want to play football. And so it could be nothing more than that because he has been a, a, a pillar of that of that uh, a program since he's been there. And it seemed like with Troy Taylor coming in, I mean, things went great last year, so I, I don't know that there's any animus that is – you know, certainly none that's public between him and anybody else or, you know, discontent or what have you. But, um, you know, maybe maybe it's something as as obvious as that. And our California correspondent, we'll see. I we know. We on the show five weeks in a row last year. Kevin Thompson was hooking it up here on Two Tell The Sports Information Department down there said, hey, man, he, he's in grad school. He makes his own schedule. It's all good. <laughs> like they said, here's his number. You hit him up. If he wants to do it, we more than trust him to do it. So he came on, and we love talking to him. Very smart, articulate, fun kid to talk to all the time. But, yeah, I mean, I think that there's a lot of different factors here. The Cal State University system has said that they're going online only this fall. That may change, but as of right now, that's what has been uh, suggested at least and insinuated that will happen. NCAA President Mark Emmert has said no sports without in-classroom instruction, so there will not be sports at Sacramento State if they only have online classes. So that's a factor because, who? I mean, you can't just wait and see then if you get some sort of another hardship waiver to have another uh, opportunity. You might be asking, why hasn't everybody from Sac State then hit the transfer portal? Well, I do think we'll probably see some cases of guys doing that. It'll also be interesting to see if the NCAA waves having to sit out a year if you do transfer from a state system that doesn't have football. That seems like the ultimate hardship, right? I mean, if you just want to, if you're going to be a fifth year senior at Sac State and you want to transfer somewhere, I think the NCAA would pass a lot of those hardship waivers uh, just because you're getting it stolen from you, anyways. It's a very difficult and potentially incongruous situation, right? Where if Sacramento State, maybe a couple of others, it's not that they, it's not that they're playing in a weird situation. There's, there is no football. Period. That's it. That's all for the year. But then, what does that mean? Everybody on their team just gets to come back, and now you gain a year on the field, so to speak, where everybody else that played football had to graduate all their seniors, but you didn't have to. Uh, because there wasn't football, I, I I don't know what the right answer is on this stuff, but this is this is a challenging scenario for sure. And Thompson, he's just the first one in the portal for no other reason that he's the one that's the is eligible right away. You know, put, put, yeah, the other thing is if you enter the portal, you don't disqualify yourself from being a part of the program that you're in. It's very rare that a coach would welcome you back to the team after you enter the portal, but it's not impossible. It actually has happened in a couple different cases. So maybe he's just in the portal to get ahead of this thing, see where maybe the options are. But then if the Cal State system clears it, Sac State has on-campus classes, maybe he returns or maybe not. But the other thing is that there's so many different levels that he could go to. He was an FBS player coming out of high school. He played at UNLV. He would have been their starter. Bobby Houck recruited him to UNLV some, I mean, he was a part of the, his football senior year was 2012. He signed with UNLV in 2013. So this was years ago. He's a very mature kid because of that. He's seen so much football, but he also has the injury prone. I mean, he's never played a full season. Even last year when in the Big State MVP, he still got knocked out of the Weber game and then missed part of the next game too. And that's, I mean, that was the one reason why Sac State didn't run the table in the big sky. He got knocked out of the game. So could could he return to the Mountain West? Could he go higher than that? He, I mean, he's like the ultimate free agent, though, right now yeah. on the West Coast. And we'll see where he lands. But then there's also then the connection with Bobby Houck. What if Coach Houck was somehow able to get Kevin Thompson to come to Missoula, Montana? Troy Taylor indicated that he wants to explore FBS opportunities. Yeah. So that basically, I, don't, I wouldn't say fully squelches that narrative. But I, I do th- probably think that Kevin Thompson, if he's going to leave the defending Big Sky champs, is probably going to try to go up a level, not stay at the same level. I would I would tend to agree with it. This is also something that we, I don't, I don't think have really spent much much time talking about. But the transfer portal is only two years old, maybe not even three. three. Is, it, mm, is it three? Any case, it's young. 
Okay. 2018, 2019 was the first academic year that it was available. Okay. So this is 1920. So yeah, you're right. Two. Two years. But in any case, the transfer portal was put in place as something like an empowering tool for the student athlete. That is to say, before, if you wanted to transfer, you had the right to transfer, but you also, the coach or the program had some power too. Like they would grant you a release, but could say, well, you can transfer, but you can't transfer to any place in conference, right? This would happen at like Alabama where Saban would be like, yeah, you can go, but you can't go to, you can't go to Auburn or Florida or Georgia or LSU or whatever. And so now kids basically have total autonomy and one thing that they don't have to do is go in and, and tell anybody. They can themselves log into the transfer portal and enter it by on their own. And I think we've operated under the assumption that that's basically what they're doing. And I think in large part, that is what they're doing to mm-hmm. avoid, you know, what's an awkward conversation to walk in and go, coach, I'm leaving the program. Well, that's a hard conversation to have for just about anybody. And, you know. I don't know if it's good or bad to not have to have it, but at least it, it at some point once you've put – it's easier to click the button and say you're now I'm in the transfer portal and let the rest of it just sort of take care of itself. That said, I am sure there have been plenty of scenarios where kids have gone into coaches and gone, Coach, here's my situation. Here's my scenario. Here's what I'm thinking about. Here's what I'm going through. What do you think? What should I do? How, do I, how should I go about this? And at some point – mutually come to a place where, hey, man, it's probably best for you to enter the transfer portal. It's not always like some guy just bolting for the exit because he's not happy about X, Y, and Z or, you know, whatever. So I, I'm sure that there's been plenty of coaches who have been well aware that a guy was going to enter the pro transfer portal or even encouraged guys to do it. Now, we don't know the circumstance here, but it feels like Kevin Thompson was very invested in Sacramento State. Sure. It feels like he and Troy Taylor, I mean, certainly on the field, it worked. Like, Troy Taylor as an offensive mind and offensive coach, and Kevin Thompson had a spectacular year, and their team had a spectacular year. So it wouldn't, you know, it wouldn't surprise me at all if if KT goes to, to Coach Taylor and says, Coach, man, if we're not having football, I can't. I can't wait another year to finish this out. I'm 36 years old. <laughs> I have got to, I have, I've got to go. And he says, you know, Good for you. You should go. I want the best for you. Let's do this. And then he enters the portal. You know, it wouldn't surprise me if that is how this went. And my mind is just running right now at all the places he could end up. He's from Auburn, Washington. So that's in the Seattle area. The Huskies need a quarterback. Is he good enough to be the starting quarterback for the Washington Huskies, though? I mean, with Jacob Easton moving on, they do have an opening there. But I think that the last situation you ever want to get in is the one that Gage Guber got in at Washington State. Where, where you, you go gra- over you, and then don't play. Yeah, I mean, you grad transfer and then you don't win the starting job and you don't play. I mean, Gage Gruber threw for the most yards in the history of a single season in college football ever, any level, as a junior, and then did not play as a senior. What a horrible way for things to end. Totally. And and I think, I mean, that's that's a good point. I mean, you obviously, when you're talking about exploring your options, you got to be have a very sober assessment of who you are as a player and what the situation that you're going to is as a player. I have no idea what the up and coming quarterback situation is at Washington, but I get, I bet you the competition is high and don't under underestimate the, uh, so often when guys transfer, they come full circle with maybe who they liked in recruiting the best coming out of high school. We saw with Fallon Frigi. She almost went to Montana state out of high school. She was the North Dakota Gatorade player of the year. So she wanted to stay close to home so she ended up going to North Dakota, had had what she said on this show was a less than exemplary experience, and then finally had the courage to say, I'm walking away from this. I want to have a better senior year than than what these first three years have been like. And she sacrificed by having to sit out a year, but then went to Montana State, and as she said on this show, said, I had the senior season of my dreams, what I always wanted. I'm not trying to speculate too hard on this thing, but Kevin Thompson told us on this show that he loved Tim Rosenbaugh, the offensive coordinator for the Grizzlies when Tim Rosenbaugh was at You're not UNLV. trying to speculate too much. All man. I'm saying is that if there was a coaching staff that had an inside track because of a previous relationship, I mean, who knows what would have happened at UNLV if Kevin Thompson never would have got hurt and then Bobby Houck would have then never left. And Dalton Sneed's career came full circle at Montana. I think that if Kevin Thompson gets offers to play in the FBS, he would he would be foolish not to take those. But if he lands at Montana, just imagine what they could be. I mean, yeah. I imagine having Kevin Thompson. I mean, 
Pierre Williams and, and uh, Elijah Dotson are very good players at Sacramento State. They were all-league guys, great weapons for Kevin Thompson. They're not Sammy Akim and Samari Torre. No, they are not. I mean, that would be an, an, an outstanding, I mean, understatement, outstanding offense. Yeah. You also have a guy named Cam at the University of Montana no, right no, now. No doubt. No doubt. And, you know, I don't know. There's things to think about uh, in, in all of this. Anyway, his own coach saying that he's exploring likely FBS options, and so we'll take that uh, as as uh, the word for the time being and see if and where he lands anywhere. And by the way, as you said, maybe maybe the situation changes at Sacramento State or maybe sure. you know in football in general. And and he says, okay, if we're gonna play football, this is where I want to play. Let's roll. The other so. thing is being a West Coast guy and having almost all of his exposure being on the West Coast. You have to imagine he's likely going to at least. I mean, that's the one assumption I think you can make that he'll likely stay out west, right? Yes, I mean, but, but likely. I mean, going through what the world has gone through over the last three months, anything is possible, right? I mean, the University of Washington might look great on paper, but what's that situation going to be like in Seattle mm-hmm. in terms of what's happening with the pandemic? Right. What's it look like in LA or any? Of the, I mean, all the Pac-12 schools are in huge metropolitan. What you got to find is the biggest uh, football to population quotient, right? Right. Like the Green Bay Packers would be the ideal NFL franchise sure. for you to play in. 100,000 people there in Green right. Bay, Wisconsin. That's perfect. So what's the smallest town that has big-time football, you know? I mean, probably Logan, Utah. Tuscaloosa? Yeah. Auburn? Yeah. Uh, but Missoula, Montana is pretty high up on that list, honestly. Yeah, no doubt. Sutel Nuanas, 1029 ESPN Radio. On the other side. What do you remember about Sosa and McGuire? They're 30 for 30s coming up on Sunday night. Also, a little bit of high school updates. We'll see what we get to all after this. Coulter, during this time where we got to be a little bit socially distanced, it's nice to know we can get out on the links and play a little bit of golf. And nobody better than Western Birch to get your round started right. That's right. Golf's been definitely one of my favorite pastimes during quarantine times. And it's recently landed my new Western Birch customized golf tees. Go check out Western Birch golf tees at westernbirch.com. These classy golf tees are made of 100% white birch hardwood and printed with high quality color right here in the United States. A company founded right here in Montana. These durable wood golf tees, perfect way for you to market your business. Just think, anytime you break a tee, your brand is sitting on the tee box forever. You can hand them out to your clients, your buddies, your golf partners, whoever. Great way to earn top of mind awareness while also playing a sport we all love. Again, you can check out all the cool designs online at westernbirch.com. Add your logo on a thousand of any of their tees for $150 delivered to your door. Give them to clients, friends, watch them get impressed by the quality of the look of a simple golf tee and by your creativity. Give Western Birch the opportunity to show you what they're talking about. Email and ask for Chad at info at westernbirch.com, info at westernbirch.com, or follow on Instagram and Facebook, westernbirch.com. Third Eye Blind? <laughs> oh, man. Two Telling Me One is 1029 ESPN Radio. Man, I got to figure out how I'm going to sit in here so I can look at the producer. I need to see Reese. Oh, Reese sits back there and dances and makes fun of you the whole time. Yeah, I know, great. I know. And it's just oh, like yeah, my whole life. Good, dude. He's stirring the butter, dude. He's loving it. Just no no idea what's going on in my in my world. It's Two Telling Me One is 1029 ESPN Radio. Uh, hope you're having a great day. Thanks for being with us on your radios, on your televisions, and perhaps on your podcast if you're listening a little later after the fact. To Tell Nuanas podcast is available uh, all the time on all of your favorite podcasting platforms. We are there and we're happy to be there. And we are only there thanks to the good folks at Blackfoot and Alpine Touch. So our thanks to them uh, on that. Coulter, um, the long, uh, long, long gone is the newest 30 for 30 uh, that's going to be coming out the premiere Sunday night. And it is the, you know, documentary, the retro documentary on McGuire and Sosa and the season that was the 70 home runs. And what was 66 for Sammy? Sosa, 66 for Sammy, including 20 
the all-time record in the month of June, which was absolutely one of the great tears that's ever been put forth. I mean, I I remember being a kid. You were probably watching this as a in high school, right? 18 years old. I mean, you, you, 17, I guess it was. You were guaranteed to see Sammy Sosa hit a home run for like six weeks straight. It was unbelievable. Every game you turn on, you just hit a bomb. I watched Sammy Sosa hit home run number 36 in Milwaukee at the park. That was probably before the All-Star break. I was there. Either, right? Yeah, I don't remember. I got to say. He got up like mid-30s. I don't remember break. when it was. And thirty. I think it was 36. I would actually have to go back and, f- and remember for sure what it was. But sure enough, he gets up there and just bang and, uh, you know, hits it up and out of here. And it was what I remember about that time is, first of all, as a 17-year-old kid, um, I was incredibly naive. I think a lot of people were. A lot of people wanted, you know, the idea of steroids then wasn't nearly what it is now. I mean, we're 20 years after the fact. And because we have been through the steroid era in in baseball and cycling and, you know, and the Olympics, the, all, all of this stuff. Now, there's been doping forever, especially the Olympics. Right. We've known like it's not we That's, know that it's there, but it just what it didn't occupy this space of of uh, th- that it was so pr- uh, 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 prolific. Yeah. Right. Yes. As 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 we now know it to have been. Well, and totally. I mean, steroids first landed on the, the sporting public's consciousness during the Olympics mostly because of the power lifters and, and the, some, especially some of the female athletes from the, yeah. the, the USSR. I mean, the Eastern Bloc, they were famous for basically government-mandated doping. I mean, they, yeah. they were it wasn't even a choice. It was required by the athletes. But I think that people in the Western world thought oh, it's, it's only a communist thing. It's only a Soviet Union thing. The door was first kind of blown open on a global scale during the 1988 Olympics when Ben Johnson broke the world record, ran 979 in the 100 meter dash, beat Carl Lewis, yeah, and then fails his drug test, yeah, and everybody was like, "Whoa, wow, yeah," and that was the first time then that the dr- the testing had caught up to the drugs, and so then all of a sudden a whole bunch of people failed drug right. tests. But th- this is so interesting. The big thing about uh, of of cheating or uh-huh. of of getting in trouble in baseball was at this time my recollection gambling right totally we were we it's pete rose was well done by this point but still this was the thing that was like such a great gambling and also drug use because like in the 70s yeah. and early 80s stimulants were such a huge part of performance enhancement but then in the 80s there was guys that were taking non-performance enhancing yeah. drugs. So many guys like Daryl Strawberry, Dwight Gooden, Lenny Dykstra. I mean, they, they their careers were wrecked by cocaine use. Totally. And so that was then the narrative then. But, I mean, even with Ben Johnson and, and that group of track guys sort of opening the eyes of people that that it wasn't just a Soviet Union uh, ma- you know mandated program, it still was not – people did not consider – that athletes other than Olympic athletes would ever even use steroids because people didn't really know how steroids worked. Exactly. People would... They, I, they're like, oh, the power lifter does steroids. That makes sense. I remember conversations on this very format, Sports Talk Radio, of guys going, why would you ever take steroids for baseball? It's not going right. to help you in baseball. Like, you, what, what, it's a game of skill. You're not going to see better because you're on steroids or whatever. And clearly, that's all false like it it it, it, right. it it's a huge help and yet you have this thing it's a huge help because of the endurance element that's the one thing that people don't understand about anabolic steroid use it's recovery it makes you rapidly more strong obviously but you can also train so much harder so much more often so you can build so much more strength and you don't wear out nearly as fast well and and the other thing too is without it it's a fly out to to the to the warning track exactly with it it's a three. It's a, you know it's a three run shot to the fourth row, and so th- that's I mean that is the difference is how we say this about Aaron Judge all the time. Now no, nobody thinks Aaron Judge is doping. Everybody goes he's six eight two eighty five. Right. That's but he, we talk about all the time. That is a can of corn flyout for every other player in the league. His is going over the wall, and that's that's the difference. That said though, ninety four. Lockout, strike season, lose the season. Fans hating baseball. It's it's lost 
so much ground. And then this thing happens, and it was a phenomenon. I mean, I, I, sports, sports Center, every single every night, single day. this is the deal. Boom, boom, boom. This is what's going on. And and it brought – baseball is an everyday game. Yep. And it, the the problem with baseball is that it's an everyday game in a lot of people's minds. that they We don't have the time for – it brought people to the park, whether literally or to the television sets or to the radios, every single day. Every single day, people knew what was going on with this race and thereby baseball in general. And in the moment, before we found out what we found out after, it was it was magic, man. Like it was it was the the high water mark of of the sport in my lifetime. And maybe we were too naive because I, mean, I remember I have this memorabilia Cecil Fielder card of when Cecil Fielder hit fifty home runs in nineteen ninety. And I think that was the third or maybe fourth time since Roger Maris hit 61, the summer of 61, that anyone had ever even hit 50. I think George Foster hit 52 in 1977. Willie Mays hit 52 in 1965. And then Albert Bell, after Cecil Fielder, hit 50 in 1995. But those four were the only 50 home run seasons since Maris. Then all of a sudden... Not only Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire, but Ken Griffey Jr. hit 50-plus home runs that year. Greg Vaughn hit 50 home runs that year. Right. Remember when Brady Anderson hit yeah. 50 home yeah. runs? He's a leadoff hitter. All of a sudden, everybody's hitting 50 home runs. Maybe we were a little bit too naive. I have such a hard time with all of this because it's so hard to de- decipher how much impact cheating has when the assumption is that almost everybody in the game was cheating, but only some guys got quote-unquote caught. But they also weren't getting caught for actually breaking a rule because Major League Baseball did not institute steroid testing or make steroid use illegal whatsoever until four or five years after this happened. I mean, the, the controversy first started with Mark McGuire. He has his vitamins all lined up in the in a row on top of his locker. And one of the vitamins was Andersteen. Andersteen is a uh, pro-hormone, which is basically a precursor to an anabolic steroid. A lot less strong than what people would imagine, you know, with shooting the actual serum into your body. You're mm-hmm. taking it orally. Your body converts it into an anabolic substance. But a reporter asked Mark McGuire about it. He said, oh, it's this new supplement I'm on. It's really helped me with my strength gains. There was no hiding anything. Years later, we learned, well, this was a, a version of an anabolic substance. But I don't know. These guys... They weren't cheating per se, but they were cheating the history of the game, and that's where I'm so conflicted over it. But this was the first domino that changed everything. They, they were, but the, the other thing, too, is you said the assumption that almost everybody is doing it. I don't have that assumption still. Right. I, I have the assumption that a lot of guys were doing it, right. that certainly guys on every team were doing it, but not the assumption that such a high percentage of guys were doing it that it made it somehow even like we think of in, in cycling. Right. Like I, 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 was it was it thirty percent? Was it fifty percent? Was it sixty five percent? Anywhere in that range, it could be. But I wouldn't go over seventy, and I probably wouldn't go under thirty five. But in any case, there was a lot of guys that were clean while they were playing against a whole bunch of guys that weren't. And and the that biggest, is the the imbalance. The biggest me. problem with not having drug testing was not knowing who was dirty, but knowing who was clean. We can both assume that guys like Ken Griffey Jr., Derek Jeter, Chipper Jones, that they were clean. Mm-hmm. But with no testing, they can sit there and say that they were clean their whole careers, and we can totally believe them, but there's no actual evidence, right? right. I mean, imagine how much, how much Ken Griffey Jr. could accentuate his legacy if he just had one clean drug test from, like, the late 90s, early 2000s. Just said, well, you know, the year that – I mean, that year that he was in the midst of the home run race – I'm trying to remember how many home runs he had, but he he was in it and then kind of faded. And it shouldn't have really been a surprise that he faded because I think that he just didn't have the endurance to continue going because he wasn't on steroids. But that's the hardest part. If I was a guy like Chipper Jones, King Griffey Jr., Greg Maddox, guys that are pretty much clean, Cal Ripken Jr., those are the guys I would be the most mad about this. Totally. I mean, and that's why I say this changed the game forever because, I mean, who knows what the scandal would have become if not the for the Balco scandal. But if you read Game of Shadows, the season of 1998, Barry Bonds hit 49 home runs, which was the most home runs he'd ever hit. And he was furious. He said, I am way better than Sammy Sosa. 
why is this guy getting all the love? Sammy Sosa was the darling of baseball. I mean, Mark McGuire was Paul Bunyan. Sammy Sosa's the fun-loving dude. Crow hopping up the first baseline. Enormous stars. Barry Bonds is this surly guy sitting over here. And But that was the trigger point to then Barry Bonds going to Victor Conte and saying, create me the greatest steroids you could ever come up with in a lab. I'm going to put this to rest. I am the greatest baseball player of all time. And then he did, but that was the... I mean, who knows what would have happened without the Balco investigation? We might not have ever known the true magnitude of of this doping scandal. Last thing I'll say about it before we get out, but I'm, I'm looking forward to this on Sunday just from a strictly baseball standpoint. Okay, take everything else out of it. Take to Put the rose-colored glasses back on. Mark McGuire, the Paul Bunyan, going against Sammy Sosa, who the crow hop is one thing. Sammy Sosa's swing violence if I could call it that if if I swung one time the actual as hard as Sammy Sosa swung the bat every time he took a rip which I physically obviously can't but if I could I would never walk again I mean you just screwdriver yourself a hole right into the ground I mean how he ripped at the baseball is unlike anybody I've ever seen, and that was the other thing. It was just remarkable to watch him mash the way that he did, and then McGuire just, well, I'm just bigger than every other person on earth. I mean, I know I'm in the minority, but I just, some of those moments are moments I miss. I mean, Sammy Sosa with the corked bat in the home run derby in Milwaukee where he's hitting balls like 650 feet. He's hitting them out of the stadium. I don't care how many drugs he ever done. That is entertainment. <laughs> You are such a WWE guy. So we'll true. be back on Friday, maybe with some honest sports. See you then. Tito Nuana. Get commencement ready at the Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Their grad fair sale is going on right now if you visit msubookstore.org. Free regalia. When you purchase a diploma frame at the MSU Bookstore, you can obviously visit the MSU Bookstore on the Montana State campus. The Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Visit on campus or at msubookstore.org.